0: This episode of the Elevate Your Leadership podcast is brought to you in part by iFly Virginia Beach Indoor Skydiving. At iFly Virginia Beach, we bring people together through the dream of flight. To learn more about our leadership development and team building, visit iFlyVirginiaBeach.com.
1: In this series, entrepreneurs, industry executives, academics, public figures, and other highly effective professionals share their formulas for success with you.
0: Welcome everybody to this episode of Elevate Your Leadership with me, your host, Bob Pazzini. I like to have leadership discussions with people who not only bring great value to me and my approach to leadership, but they will bring great value to you, the dear listener, and your approach to leadership. And today's guest is no exception. Crystal Murren, the bossy girl, has a very unique approach in mentoring and teaching and guiding men and women, but women in particular, when it comes to leadership. A little bit about Crystal before we get going. Crystal brings nearly two decades of proven experience in building leaders, inspiring teams, and training trainers. She has provided leadership development and consulting services across the Mid-Atlantic for clients such as the Discovery Channel, the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs, which I'm a big fan of since I'm a veteran and I, I use the VA all the time, the Maryland Department of Human Resources, Planet Fitness, Pennsylvania Department of Human Services, among many others. She has also been a featured speaker and facilitator for universities healthcare organizations, nonprofit, and other government agencies. Crystal is the president of Bossy Girl Leadership. She is redefining Bossy to ensure that women will never play smaller or speak softer because of a word. Please don't be mistaken. Bossy is not how she leads. Her bossy nature is the authenticity and courage that powers her ability to influence others and never accept defeat is the final answer. I could go on and on and on. Crystal, welcome to the Elevate Your Leadership podcast.
2: Thank you so very much. It's wonderful to be here.
0: We're going to have a great discussion. And just briefly, how is it that Crystal and I came together for this discussion today? We are both members of the C-Suite Network, a mastermind of thought leaders and people who really get after it on a regular basis, if you will. And Crystal and I met in that forum. We found we had a lot in common in our approach to leadership and Crystal attended my leadership webinar, Elevate Your Leadership, and through those discussions, we got to know each other even better and really decided that working together was something that had great potential. We both want to bring goodness to you and to the rest of the world. So that's the background, and Crystal, before I go into some really, really exciting discussion points, I'm just going to give you the opportunity for an introductory conversation, anything you want to say.
2: Well, Bob, I'm so excited to be here. I guess what I would say to start the day is you can probably guess that our time together today will be very real. If somebody is naming their company Bossy Girl Leadership and call themselves the Bossy Girl, we're talking about what is, not the way it should be but what it really, really is. We're ready to get raw today and really talk about what everything is all about.
0: Let's dive right in because in my experience, there's certainly a difference between men and women in the workplace. Approaches to leadership could be the same for a man and a woman, but the fact of the matter is we're dealing with different personalities and different people, what are some of these differences? What are some of these things that can help us work better together or be better leaders, regardless of whether or not you're a man or a woman?
2: Sure. Bob, gender does play a part in our communication and in our ability to be effective in the workplace. I think probably the best way I could illustrate this is to start by telling a story. Almost five years ago now, I was in a horrific car accident I was stopped at a traffic light and I was hit from behind by a truck at 55 miles per hour. I started having seizures. I had a stutter. I lost my word recognition. I could no longer read and write. Through that process, I went to the best doctors and I was walking through what I considered to be a really strenuous recovery process. And the doctors ended up saying to me, you know what, Crystal? You're just going to have to accept that from here on out, You're going to be average and you can keep beating your head into the wall, but all it's going to do is give you a headache, not get you to the other side. And my response to them was, you don't know what I can do. There is no way I'm accepting that. And I was told that I was bossy. In that moment, I realized that women leaders are facing different challenges than men. In that situation, had I been a man, oftentimes what I would have been told is, yes, be strong, lead, push. Instead, I'm told that I am bossy and that I need to just be satisfied with less. That began a movement for me. And it began a movement that said, let's own who we are. And you know what? If I call myself the bossy girl... No longer you calling me bossy will change how I feel about myself. So let's own who we are, whether in the workplace or otherwise, whether we are men, whether we are women. And I always have to be really clear about this. I am pro-woman, but I am also pro-man. I love working with men. I love leading men. I love teaching men how to lead because I truly believe that our greatest effectiveness comes from building bridges and understanding one another. And oftentimes, I think that is really where our challenges lie.
0: Yeah, I think recognizing who people are, recognize people for who they are is critical. And whether you're a man or a woman, that's a component, that's a layer. Whether you're white, black, Hispanic, I'm an Italian American that's a layer of who you are. And do you speak foreign languages? That's a layer of who you are. What are your likes and your dislikes? You know, these are things that are all qualities of people and we can respect those different qualities in the workplace and still get along great and have fun doing it.
2: Oh my word. Well, and Bob, it's funny, as you were talking, the first thing that came to mind is I know we both really focus on servant leadership. As you were talking, all I could think about is, yes, it's about what you bring to the table and can you meet the mission, which took me to the equation. The way that I describe servant leadership is this mission first, your people second, you last. And I have to tell you, I get a lot of pushback on that. Crystal, no way. No way.
0: You know, what's ironic about that is in the Navy, we say ship, shipmates, self in that order.
1: No way.
0: The first thing we focus on is the ship or the mission in your case. Yes. Second thing is our shipmates or our teammates and then yourself last. There's nothing wrong with self-interest, but it's last. (laughs)
2: Well, and it is last. And the truth is, if you really look at the mission, you have to care for yourself to some degree to meet the mission. And we are hardwired to be selfish. We are hardwired to go after and meet our needs. We don't need any encouragement in that. Let's just be real. So if your mission is to run a 30 mile marathon, you're not going to do that without water. You're not going to do that without food. You're going to make sure that those needs are met. But it's mission first. And why that's really important in what you had just said before this is if you're looking at mission first, it doesn't matter gender, race, religion. It's about... Can you do the job? Can you do the job?
0: How can we get this done together? So you mentioned servant leadership. Servant leadership is what I call a critical factor. In my approach to leadership, I have nine what I call critical factors that I think fall under how I define the art of leadership. The first one I'd like to discuss is servant leadership. And and for me, quite simply, a servant leader is somebody who constantly asks the question, what can I do for you? so that's my definition. That's how I approach servant leadership. Why don't you tell us your approach and how you define it and discuss it?
2: Oh, I would love to. What can I do for you? That is so, so important because really servant leadership is about being willing to meet others needs before your own needs and desires. With that, what you have to do and know is what are my people's needs? So it really starts with who am I? Who are my people and how do I find that out? And I really believe that all of that is based in relationship and connection and that communication that we talked about, building bridges between people. Oftentimes that's built through authenticity and vulnerability and grace. These are the things that bring people together. And servant leadership, oftentimes people think being a servant leader means that you're a doormat means that you are enslaved to your people. And that's not it at all. Being a servant leader means taking people to where they never dreamed possible while achieving a mission. Sometimes that means they need a good kick in the pants. It's not always nice. But it servant leadership always meets the needs and it always meets the mission.
0: I have thirty five people on my team, six people on the management <laughs> team. My general manager Jason, who you've met, and He's you know amazing. every now and then when somebody errs or makes a mistake, one of our discussions is okay in the figurative sense, knock them around a little bit and then give them a big hug. You know, oh, yes, <laughs> so.
2: and in that place. There's the opportunity for growth. Leadership is a balance. It's a balance between accountability and appreciation. Leading people isn't that much different from parenting or people need boundaries. People need to understand you love them enough to hold them accountable. And I use this word love really freely because love is what servant leadership is all about. And we're not talking about the emotion of love, because I'm going to be really clear here. You don't have to like your people at all, but you must love them. And in that place, that's where we grow. That's where we connect. That's where we meet the mission and really ultimately impact the bottom line.
0: That's quite insightful. I don't do it so much anymore because it circled back and bit me the wrong way one time. But I used to tell my teammates that I love them, both on active duty and in the private sector. But the expression, the actions certainly are more important than the words. And, and I like the way you just define that. Back to women, women's leadership and servant leadership. Often I hear in different leadership forums, advice for women leaders. And whenever I hear this advice for women leaders, I always think, well, I'm going to do that. That's that's good advice, regardless. Yeah. You know, to, to include hair and makeup at times, by the way. Yes. Uh, depending, yes, Depending on what venue you're in. But do you have advice for women leaders that is above and beyond? Or is, is really all of your guidance and counseling, does it apply across the board?
2: The truth is, probably the answer is, it depends.
0: <laughs> sure. So
2: just like everything else, as you already said, leadership is an art. So in every scenario, the answer is going to be a bit different. In general, the truth is the techniques and the tips and the things that I believe in are the same, whether you're a man or a woman. The thing that oftentimes is different is the motivation and the drive for learning these techniques, because oftentimes the balance that women have to bring to the workplace is different than the balance that men bring to the workplace. I'm not saying one is harder, one is better, one is worse, but I am saying it's different. And just to give an example of that, what I mean is oftentimes women come into the workplace and try to lead as, quote, women with a bit, a bit of a softer approach, focusing more on that appreciation than the accountability. Then they're not taken seriously. And it's like, oh, yeah, just another woman leader trying to be nice to everybody. Then she'll shift her approach and she'll decide, well, then I'll lead more like, quote, a man would lead. And in that situation, she's probably leading more with power and being a bit more pushy and just and again, I'm not the PC person. So oftentimes in that place, she becomes the bitch. Yeah, and nobody
0: the B word. That's yeah. it.
2: Nobody wants to work with her, nobody wants to talk with her. So it's like, am I supposed to lead like a woman? Am I supposed to lead like a man? How is this going to be effective? How can I make this work? And that's oftentimes the double standard that women face walking into executive positions.
0: People make assumptions in the workplace. There's there's a lot of discussion about unconscious bias and affinity bias and in the DE&I space, which I'm heavily engaged, but people do make assumptions and it's unfortunate because those assumptions oftentimes are wrong. I would say the majority of the time they're wrong and it can really lead you down the wrong road and it can really distract from what you're supposed to be doing. It can take people off task, if you will. And I'll just give a quick garden variety example. And this is something that was explained to me in a different forum. There could be a very attractive woman in a classroom or in some kind, some forum, and she's keeping to herself, being professional and doing what she's supposed to be doing. And somebody might call her stuck up or think that she's full of herself. And there could be a not so attractive woman whose mannerisms are the exact same, uh, but she doesn't get that label. And that's unfortunate that we judge. Really, I think that's judging. Took me a while to figure out how and when I was judging, and I had to very consciously stop doing that. I think that's important in the workplace. What say you?
2: First of all, I I applaud you at being willing to look at a situation like that and understanding that you do have bias because we all do. And so often, like you said, it's unconscious. It's not necessarily something that we're choosing. It's just the culmination of the experiences and filters that we have lived thus far in our lives. I don't believe that most people get up in the morning and want to be a bad person. There are bad people out there, but in general, I don't run into them most of us want to do the right thing. So yes, I think that that is 100% true. What I also think is that as we're walking through the world, if we can be more curious and ask questions before we make assumptions, that is one of the most important things that we can do. If you are sitting with someone and you think, oh my word, she is so stuck up and you have that thought, ask her a question and say, hey, I'm just curious. Where do you live? What are you about? Tell me your story. And I promise, I promise everything will change. And Bob, one of the things I think that's interesting, I think that's an amazing example. And you're a a man, but I believe that women oftentimes feel most discriminated against by other women women are oftentimes we are our worst enemies and we oftentimes don't build each other up and instead try to tear each other down because historically there weren't many positions at the top for women so if you get my position then there isn't one for me And historically, this has put us in a situation of competition Mm -hmm. instead of cooperation that men traditionally don't face. So we have to find a way to love each other because I can tell you right away, I look different than a lot of speakers that do what I do. And when I stand up in front of a group, I can tell you that oftentimes I will have to work harder to build connection with women than I will to build connection with men.
0: We are going to take a quick break for capitalism right now, and we will be right back. And we are back with Crystal Murren, the bossy girl, and we're talking about all things leadership with focus on women in leadership positions and how women approach leadership and with focus on the servant leader or really being a servant leader for your people. So Crystal, we talked a little bit about leadership versus management. We talked a little bit about the importance of understanding who you are as a leader, to better lead your people. But who I am is a man who was brought up with manners. I've worked for women in the past in in the military and leadership in the military is easy to understand because it's very cut and dry. Man, woman, those qualities don't take the lead in the military. The rank and the position in the mission, like we talked about earlier, ship, shipmate, self, that's kind of the way it works. But is it okay for men to be men and women to be women in the workplace? Can I hold the door open? for a woman, whether she works for me or I work for her?
2: I love this question, Bob, because people oftentimes come to me for things like this as really what I would say is the poster child feminine. I mean, I'm the bossy girl that screams feminist all day and I am. But as I said earlier, I am pro woman, but I am also pro man. I will tell you, if you're in my circle, I want you to open the door for me. Open my door, right? (laughs) Because even though I'm pro-woman... I still like to be a lady and I enjoy the manners that you've talked about. And I will also, just being very real, I will also hold the door for you if I get there first. And I think the most important thing is that we all say thank you afterwards. It doesn't change our willingness to be kind and love each other, regardless of what gender you choose.
0: That's the way everybody should be. I know myself, I have to not when it comes to holding a door, but just really dealing with the individual. I have to remind myself daily, really to, to focus on the individual and let them be who they are. Yes. And the more I can understand who it is they are, the better I can lead because really at the end of the day, A leader's job is to lead to mission accomplishment. In the military, there's a very specific mission, dive to a depth of 200 feet and disarm that naval mine. In the private sector, the mission is generally return on investment. The profitability margin, that's the mission in the private sector. That's what we're trying to achieve.
2: I have a curiosity for you. Sure. Just because of where you've come from in the Navy and these strong positions that you've held and now moving into corporate world with servant leadership, what is it like now when you don't necessarily have the ribbons on your chest and you don't necessarily have, quote, rank? What is it like to create influence in the corporate world versus what happens in the military.
0: So you're, you're the inquisitor. Now you're the questioner. You reverse the I'm sorry.
2: I'm sorry. I can't <laughs> help it.
0: Hey, that's your, that, that's bossy. That's a great <laughs> example of your bossy style right there. You it know? Is. It's, it no, is. it's beautiful. I love it. That's an awesome question too, because I discussed this with my fellow veterans and, and people who have retired in the military. You're right. You have very high rank and it's on your uniform. When you walk in a room, People know who you are before yeah. you ever say a word and your credibility is based on the rank that's on your collar devices yes. uh, in the private sector. That's not the case in the private sector. You have to establish your credibility. And what I've discovered is listen a lot <laughs> and speak a little and that will go a long way in establishing your credibility. When you chest thump, so to speak, you you really prevent credibility. You prevent yourself from establishing credibility. So for me, it's all about listening. Also, oftentimes I will know the answer to a certain situation or a certain question or a certain dilemma. You said earlier, you know, ask questions. And yes. so oftentimes if I see a, a problem or somebody brings me an issue through questioning, I will try and lead them to. To answer question ultimately. And I think it's a great style of leadership. It's really kind of mentorship and coaching as well. It's getting people to bring out what's already within them. But really back to your question, my approach has to be, I have to establish credibility. And you know, I'm the CEO of my company, right? So I, I kind of do have that title and that recognition as well, but that only takes you so far especially outside of your organization. So Chamber of Commerce and you know, the C-suite and these other masterminds, what you say and how you act and especially how you act, that really establishes your credibility. Be compassionate, be caring be empathetic. You know, that's a big buzzword in leadership these days. It's really a great concept if you understand it and apply it properly. So so again, uh, you know me, I'm the master of the long answer to a question.
2: I love it. (laughs) That's why we get along.
0: So I think you have to be empathetic. Now that doesn't mean you surrender your position as a leader, because ultimately as the leader, the decision is up to you. Leadership is not a democratic process for the most part. And leaders have to get input. They have to hear the voices from everybody, of everybody, which is critical. But at the end of the day, the leader is accountable for the decision. The leader is accountable for the return on investment, whether it's good or bad. I cannot have a democratic process. And then when that process fails, blame it on everybody who uh, participated in that vote, right? right? Buck stops here, as Harry Truman said, I'm accountable. Yeah. So so thank you for that. Thank you yes. for giving me that opportunity. And Let,
2: I just want to say to you, I could not agree with you more. And it's so true. People want to be led too. Exactly. They want to be led. You have to lead. So I think what you're saying is 100% beautiful.
0: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, there's a true void or a true gap uh, when you're not leading and your people know it. And yeah. you slow them down and you hold them up and it's frustrating and it's things like that that will make people consider going going somewhere else. What are some of the things that you see over and over again some some of the problems or the you know the wrong approach if you will. What are some of the things that you see over and over again that you're able to correct through your offerings?
2: I would say probably the biggest mistake that I see people making consistently that is very correctable is that people try to lead with what they want. People try to lead others the way they want to be led. They also, typically in research, we see even if you hated your boss for the last six months, when you become the quote boss, you tend to lead the way they did, even if you didn't like it. The other thing is, then you use that leadership style consistently across the board for people that really don't prefer to be led that way. And what happens is your people become unmotivated. As you said earlier, they will begin to look elsewhere. You will see turnover. And I can tell you, and research supports this 100%, is that people do not leave their organizations people leave their supervisor. So if people are leaving you, it's because you have not met their needs. And this is where servant leadership comes into play.
0: Sure. I'll just put one caveat on that. The the workforce is primarily millennial and millennials, generally speaking, are, are looking to move every two years or so. So they hold culture and values very high in the workplace, culture and values, a a workplace that that has thriving culture and values. They have good leadership because good leadership focuses on that and enables that. But the millennial workforce is more of a mobile workforce. They want work-life balance. They want high culture and values. And if they're not getting in that, they will move. So that does pretty much support what you just said. Yeah. The other thing I would add to that is that knowing that culture and values is important to the workforce. Um, It is incumbent on the leadership to really make that part of what they do on a daily basis. They have to focus on that. They have to, you know, it's not all about spreadsheets and ROI. Leaders really have to focus on those other factors that keep your high performers, number one, performing high and number two, keep them on your team.
2: Oh my goodness. Yes. And, Bob, so often we look at this and we say, oh, well, you're getting paid, so that's motivation enough. You just need to get the job done. Well, the truth is you can't get the job done by yourself. That's why leadership is important. You cannot get the job done unless you can influence people to move with you. And it doesn't matter if you think you're amazing. It doesn't matter what your (laughs) position is, right? If people won't follow you across the street, they're certainly not gonna follow you across the battlefield. And oftentimes that's what our missions are. They feel like, battlefields, even building an effective team. And and I know, Bob, this is what I do. And it's a lot of what you do too, because in Elevate Your Leadership, I was just completely in awe and inspired by what you're doing there. We give tools to help people understand, okay, if this is who you are, possibly you perceive the world through emotion, or possibly you are very analytical I understand now who I am and I understand who you are and I know how to travel to meet you halfway so that I can lead you in mission accomplishment. Essentially, that's what we do. And those are the mistakes that we can support you in correcting.
0: You just hit a key point. Another key point, meeting people where they are. Mm. You know, a leader has to recognize where somebody is in their professional development, or maybe in their personal life, not that you want to intrude in their personal life, but they may have things in their personal life that are affecting their ability to be a high performer at work. And and so we need to meet people where they are. And if we do that, then we can take them where we want to take them to, but but you got to meet them where they are. If, If somebody comes in and they say, Hey boss, I didn't sleep at all last night. And I'm just not feeling really productive today. Some bosses will say, hey, that's not my problem. Get the the job done. Yeah, (laughs) get out there and get the job done. Well, it it is your problem. It really is is your problem. And so you got to meet that person where they are and, and, and help them through it. And I think that speaks to the love that you're talking about as well. Yes, We are coming up on 30 minutes and we could go for 30 more easily, but I do want to wind down for our listeners who are finishing their workouts or perhaps finishing the drive to work so they don't have to come back, tune back in. So (laughs) as we wind down, is there anything you would like to share uh, that we haven't talked about?
2: There is something I would like to share, Bob. We are actually coming together to create a program for high-performing executive leaders, specifically women leaders in the workplace, where we will be building bridges between you and your people. And I can promise you this experience is something that you don't want to miss and is unlike anything that you've ever seen before. So reach out to us because we've got something for you.
0: Yeah, we put something together that's pretty cool called the <laughs> Global Elite Leadership Summit. Yes, And, and we're excited. We're really excited. To, number one, to work with each other, Yes, uh, which is super cool. And uh, number two, deliver not only the academic or not only the discussion, but an actual experience, an experience that incorporates flying in my wind tunnel at iFly Virginia Beach. It'll be super cool.
2: Yes. Uh, so. And amazing special guests.
0: Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, you'll have to uh, you'll have to register to find out who those great special guests are. Yes. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Crystal, great discussion. I love talking about leadership because it makes me a better leader, and I appreciate uh, everything we talked about today. And thank you for coming on Elevate the Elevate Your Leadership Podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. It was awesome. Thank you for listening to the Elevate Your Leadership Podcast. To contact Bob directly or to learn more about how Bob can advance you and your organization through leadership training, team building, executive coaching, and public speaking, visit robertpizzini.com, robert, P-I-Z-Z-I-N-I.com, and connect with him on LinkedIn.